Welcome to Dig It. This is the speaker. I hope you're having a beautiful Friday morning. I'm here as per usual with my two lovely ladies, the Sharp Edge and Corey Lynn of Corey's Digs. How are you guys doing? Doing hey. good. Hey, doing well. <laughs> That's good. We were scrambling there. Well. I know you should have seen these two try to get these ready. They were going. I, I literally just funny. hit publish on my article as we are going <laughs> into our recording here, so we could get this covered in it. Yeah, the girls have a lot to say today, which is good because I'm not feeling the best. But <laughs> so I'm going to sit here. We're going to listen to them because I guarantee they've got a lot. Lot to talk about here. Um, we're going to go into Corey's article on smallpox. Uh, OSHA suspends enforcement on mandates. The Britain House trial. FBI whistleblower exposing uh, counterterrorism tools used on parents, which is horrible, which I want to know more about too. Scottsdale School Board president removed after creating dossier on enemy list parents. Fantastic. And DeSantos signs uh, anti mandate bills into law. So what would you guys like to start off with? Yeah. Well, let's rock through, let's rock through some (laughs) of the smallpox timeline that I just put together. Um, So I think everyone, well, most people, anyone who watches the news, because the news legacy news was sure to cover this, which is telling in itself. So they said they found uh, 15 vials of smallpox at a facility at a Merck facility, which is the one in North Wales, Pennsylvania. So I was, I was sitting here like waiting for it to drop as to which facility, because I know that their other one, their West Point one over in Pennsylvania is the one that's uh, working on the Johnson and Johnson jab. So I was kind of curious to see which one this was at. They're not far apart from one another, the facilities at any rate, I'm thinking, Hmm. So they just, you know, stumbled upon him in the freezer. Did they really? Right. I mean, is, is this just a scare tactic? Did they really, you know, are they experimenting on it? You know, what's really going on here? And of course, there were, you know, multiple different things that I had already known that I could tie into this. And so I started doing a little digging and I found some interesting things that I, I wasn't previously aware of. So I'm glad I did this. Um, And if we scroll down, what I did is I basically just put together a timeline um, of key events pertaining to smallpox. And of course, I could have made this three times longer, but I wanted to keep it short and sweet and stick to the main ones that that paint quite a picture. So I think you guys are familiar with, we've been hearing about this one for a while now. In 2001, the simulated covert smallpox attack dubbed Dark Winter. Hmm, so, I mean, <laughs> interesting dark winter hmm. same you know same way they have rolled out um everything with like covid the you know they do these little exercises and plans and everything so now of course everyone's on high alert going what are these what are they up to what are they going to do right uh, and and bill gates mentioning it just a few weeks ago oh you guys need to start doing war games germ games is, yes, is what he called games. it Germ games for a bioterrorism attack, right? With with smallpox. With yes. smallpox. Hmm. Yes. Okay. And then and then of course, you know Isn't it funny how they always know? Right. And <laughs> I, and this connection, it's just gotta be 
coincidence, right? This is a John right. Hopkins, another John Hopkins Center uh, germ games that they ran in 2001 called Dark Winter on Smallpox. And wasn't it also John Johns Hopkins who partnered with, oh, the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation uh, mm-hmm. to run Event 201 just prior to COVID? COVID, yep. Yep. Mm-hmm. And then we have, we have, you know, the anthrax tied into this too. You know, it's the same players, it's the same playbook. And so now everyone's going, well, how far are they going to take this? So, so that's, you know, one of the big reasons I wanted to put this together. I, I have my thoughts. <clears throat> I'm sure some people will disagree with me, but we can all like talk about what our opinions are when we get to the end of this. I'm curious to see what you guys think. So so now in 2007, the FDA licensed, and it's the only one licensed, uh, Sanofi's ACAM 2000 smallpox vaccine. So it is the only one licensed. And, and I'm not going to go in and read all of this, but there's some really interesting um, tidbits in the FDA press release there that I found significant. Uh, so, and I, and I also dug up a study that was published um, Coincidentally, September 15, 2021, that shows the rates of myopericarditis, cardiovascular and neurological adverse events among U.S. military service members who they have given, you know, the smallpox vaccine to. Outside of that, it's not available, you know, commercially. He can't go to your doctor and get it. This bad boy goes in the national stock stockpile. So now follow this. In 2014, uh, six vials of smallpox were found in a cardboard box in a cold storage room at NIH. It technically was actually 327 vials, but six of them were smallpox. So there's only two places in the world where smallpox, um, where the, you know, the virus itself, I think it's variola, I'm not sure if I'm saying that right, is supposed to be housed. One is the CDC and one is uh, in Russia that they call the Vector Institute, which is in Siberia. So keeping that in mind, and now this is 2014. So that was, there, there were allegedly six files of smallpox found at NIH there. Um, but, but, you know, 327 vials were found in and I give the little breakdown here of what they ended up doing with them all, but we don't know specifically what they did with the smallpox ones. So then we go to uh, that same year. Wait, Bill one Gates. of the vials was labeled RSSE as though it was from Russia. Is that right? Am I reading that correctly? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. So very, very interesting there. Um, yeah. <laughs> So then in, in the, so that was July, 2014. Okay. So November, 2014, Bill Gates funded Durham-based Chimerix's drug. And I'm going to bet you this. Oh God. I don't even pronounce that for me. Someone starts with Bren, a B. Bren Sidofovir. <laughs> that was <laughs> that my best good. So that was allegedly to treat Ebola. The, the trial was funded by none other than the Wellcome Trust, and it was led by Oxford University. And of course, the FDA authorized the study. So coincidentally, <clears throat> that drug was later branded as Tembexa as the first antiviral drug used to treat smallpox. And guess when it was approved? June of this year. Wow. Yeah. So that that is pretty significant. Um, 
So then we move forward and let's go to 2017. We got Emergent Biosolutions. They purchased, okay, they just finalized their acquisition of Sanofi's ACAM 2000 smallpox vaccine business. So they now acquired that business from Sanofi. Very interesting. Um, because Emergent, as most people are familiar, you know, they're going to go down in history for all the devastation caused with their Biothrax vaccine that left, you know, as many as 300,000 soldiers injured, which is probably why they don't want to get the COVID jab now, especially since Emergent has also been helping AstraZeneca and Johnson and Johnson with production of their COVID jabs. And I'm sure everyone recalls just months back when they contaminated because they like mixed them up some of the ingredients and they ended up contaminating 15 million doses of the Johnson and Johnson jabs. So that yeah. ended up, that ended up killing their deal, their manufacturing deal with the Biden administration. But of course they're still producing them in a separate contract with J and J. So, I mean, how good are we all feeling about emergent biosolutions right now? Not, so, That's a so, big no. Right. So two years later in September 3rd, 2019, Emergent gets awarded a 10-year HHS contract valued at roughly $2 billion to deliver the smallpox vaccine, vaccines into the strategic national stockpile. Then, <laughs> this stuff's just crazy. Then, only 13 days after that, suddenly the Russian lab that houses, you know, one of two places in the world that houses the smallpox, has an explosion. And so now they're concerned. They're all concerned. Do we want? <laughs> look, what's, look, look what's missing. Oh no! <laughs> so they say, according to the World Health Organization, that the explosion did not occur near the smallpox or other virus stockpiles. But of course, it drew concern about keeping the smallpox virus around. So, uh, yeah, that's that's been a very you know controversial conversation topic for a long time now like why are we keeping this around so so okay so now let's fast forward to 2021 and Merck secure and the reason I have this in here is because I've been tracking things with Merck for a very long time and they are mm, just like all big pharma you know they're in bed with all these guys but but they seem to play like a really significant role in a lot of things. Um, you know, like look at the Gardasil that they still produce. Mm -hmm. So so they secured, this was March of this year, a 300 million, um, over $300 million between the Biden administration and Gates Foundation. Now the Biden administration gave them money so that they could kick up um, their two production plants in order to help get out the Johnson and Johnson COVID jab. Well, that same month, they received over 45 million from Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation to allegedly develop an oral once monthly pill for HIV prevention. You know, come on, how many years, over 30 years now, we've been throwing money at HIV prevention vaccines and, and nothing really comes to fruition on the vaccine front. It's just money and slush funds being thrown around. Well, Merck happens to be the facility where they allegedly found these six vials of smallpox. So I find this very interesting. Um, did they really find the vials there? Is, is this just, you know, being staged? Right, 
Right. Because anytime the FBI rushes in for an investigation, you're like, hold up a second. Right. And the news media, every major news media source covers it immediately. This is something that these people would hide, not publicize, unless they're trying to push a narrative and fear, you know? Mm -hmm. So... So then in uh, June, so June 4th of this year is when the FDA approved the first ever um, antiviral treatment for smallpox, which is the Chimerix one that they had all funded back in 2014 that I was talking about that was allegedly for Ebola. Mm-hmm. So, so now we have October 31st, 2021. And honestly, I have not read this in detail to see how it plays in but something got my spidey senses going and I thought I should include it. Uh, The executive order signed by Biden about the designation to exercise authority over the national defense stockpile. Mm. And so then December 9th, what everyone is, you know, been talking about is Bill Gates warning governments of a smallpox terror attack while requesting tens of billions for research and development. So, you know, we can run our little germ games and, such as smallpox and airports and hello, more slush funds, taxpayer dollars funding all of this. Right, right. It's, it's yeah. amazing how many pharmaceutical companies have been injected with so much money since COVID. Mm-hmm. incredible. And it is I'm- amazing how all of these global power elites seem to always know the next... Um, event to occur they just have this this uncanny ability to predict the exact thing so much so that they run germ games like event 201 and yeah uh, i mean they didn't even let that they didn't even let that one percolate i mean it was a week later and we have 15 alleged vials of smallpox found at the merck facility i just you know so then i look one of the things i like to do is i go into the different news sources that i know are the hard-hitting narrative pushers to see how they're spinning it. Cause that always gives me insight as to where, what direction they're going with things. So, <clears throat> so <laughs> CNN does an article on it and they have this video at the top that is one and a half minutes long on the, this very scary video about how deadly smallpox is. And then on the left sidebar, they've got a link to, uh, you know, for related articles, they have a link that announces the FDA's approval of the first drug to treat smallpox. I'm like, oh, isn't that perfect? So the fact that the media is intentionally trying to stoke fear, that that tells me a lot. Um, so, so I'm curious to see what your guys take on this whole smallpox thing. Because of course we have a lot of people going, they're going to release smallpox all over and they're going to eliminate us and depopulate us by the millions and and, you know, people are panicking and stuff. And so I'm curious to see what you guys think. I think that, as I said, these global power elites have been planning and plotting our demise for decades. And I'm not surprised at all that they've ran a, an exact scenario such as a a, a bioterrorism attack using smallpox and they called it dark winter and of course all the references 
to Dark Winter. And then all of the same players, you have the Bill Bill Gates and Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation, Johns Hopkins, all these same players Mm -hmm. um, involved. And uh, so it doesn't surprise me one bit. I I can see this being a potential uh, real issue um, that is part of their plan. Um, but I would also caveat that yeah. with, I am not one to live in fear. I'm simply just not mm-hmm. going to allow that because I think that that is always their primary goal is to instill fear, or I'm sorry, instill fear in order to mobilize the public towards their their goals, which right. we've seen um, with with COVID um, that the actual threat, so-called threat, is much less than what their their end game is. And I'm trying to um, speak sort of in code here, um, you know, <laughs> dancing around it. Um, but you know what I'm saying? Like, you don't right. ha- I- I'm less fearful of the actual illness. I'd actually rather get it then get their remedy to it. Let's put it right. that way. And right. so I, I, I'm not afraid of even if there were some sort of um, planned event right. involving smallpox um, released on the public. I um, have also been doing and I kind of anticipated that if if this does happen, are there some therapeutics out there that mm-hmm. are readily available i did a little bit of research my on my own um on that and it seems that there are um oh, some, what'd you find well Anything um good? I, this is not medical advice i have to give no that disclosure <laughs> <laughs> um yeah it appears that antivirals um tend to um prevent or um cut down on on it being able to replicate um oh. as well as there was a um any specific antivirals? Yeah, the same ones that we use for COVID. Ah, gotcha, gotcha. Okay. That's my understanding. Um, I encourage people to do their own research on this. Um, yeah. Also, there was a specific plant that Native Americans used back in the day that was helpful with, um, with smallpox. And there were recent studies, I would say, in like the past 10 years or so, um, on that, that said that it does actually help with the um, viral replication of it. So, and I cannot and remember the name of this. Um, this, this I'm sure if someone does does plant. a search for that, though, they'd probably be able to find it. You know, Native American plants used to, you know, combat yeah. smallpox. I'm sure. And- I'm sure that would be easy enough to find. Yeah, and they make it in like a tincture, and you can um, you can take it in certain doses too. Um, Interesting, good little tidbits there. Yeah, yeah. So uh, personally, I'm not going to live in fear on this, but I do right. think it's a legitimate concern. Now, what do you think, Speaker? Uh, I I think they know what works now. They know what has scared a lot or the majority of the world into submission, which is fear of virus. Right. Now, what that virus is, I do not know how they're going to send it out. I do not know. I mean, COVID's done enough damage, not to just to the population, but mm-hmm. to the minds of people, to the way they interact, to the way they go about their day. Um, COVID's been very good at programming. 
right. people into submission. And I don't know if they're trying other things here or they're seeing what stokes even more fear. What can they layer? But, um, yeah, but, but, but I'm with Edge on, on, on the fact that, you know, it, it, I, I believe it, it is, is or could be concerning, but, you know, I, I can't fall down in that fear rabbit hole either. I just got to right. watch and, and see what's going on here. And, but, it's, it, of course, it's straight out sus. We know this. We see this. So here's my thinking. And this is just my thought on this. Based on uh, history, what they've rolled out, how they seem to operate, to me, um, they tend to do things in bite-sized pieces because that gives them more control more monitoring, more capitalizing on the damage. And as far as releasing it to like, let's just say hypothetically multiple states where it just starts wiping people out. Um, and of course the vaccines sit in the national stockpile. Um, so they'd have to really roll those out real fast. Uh, I, I think there's a few things going on. One, if you remember back in 2018, 2019, when they ran the um, measles epidemic, I could tell right then that was a pilot program. Uh, so I did that whole six part report on that and they were isolating an area in New York and there were a couple other areas, but that, that seemed to be the main focus where they were trying to see how hard they could push mandates and change things and you know create these new fictitious laws. Um, to scare people, to find people, and all that good stuff. And now we're seeing with COVID the same type of coercion and manipulation. And so, you know, you, you put something, a fear out like that, and you're going to get more people to line up to get the jab. Um, I think that for them to... It would be something that would, if they were to do something like that, that it would be more isolated to, you know, a couple locations, let's say two or three states, isolated areas that they come in and they control enough to stoke enough fear and flood the media, just like they flooded it with COVID. I mean, you can't look anywhere, walk anywhere without seeing signs, hearing PA announcements, it's everywhere. Um, to try to continue to stoke fear and get people to submit and be obedient because they want full control. I don't think doing a, an uncontrolled re mass release would serve them well financially. Agreed. They make a lot of money off of us. <laughs> Agreed. And I think that it has to be controlled and small that if they were to try to enact this plan, not a mass release. It, and it like also that. could be a false flag where it's not even released and they get the actors and they say, Oh, we've had this release over here and da, 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 and it could be completely fake and no one actually is dying from it just to get people in line and mm -hmm. scared. They need to keep people scared. And in the meantime, they're doing it for obvious reasons of massive slush funds, because that's what they're calling for. That's, that's the same game soon as you know gates comes out and says well we need billions of dollars to fund this research and yada 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 oh, there goes more slush funds so what we're doing is our taxpayer dollars we are funding this insane bioweapons infrastructure that is so rife with corruption these people don't give a crap about human life 
or our health. And, and there's nothing scientific about any of it. Uh, it's all a huge con job. Yeah. And, and we need to figure out, and actually, uh, Catherine over at Slar Report just did a big, big uh, report on um, taxation, you know, on the illegal and criminal expenditures of our tax dollars, which, you know, we won't, negating the fact, we'll just put aside the fact that, you know, taxes are illegal to begin with. But the fact that people are still giving their money to the government in taxes and how it's being misused and used for criminal activity against us, we got to figure out how to stop that crap. It's a big machine. It is. Yeah. Oof. Goodness. It's a monster. All right. Well, thank you for putting all that information together. Some really bombshell information in there. Definitely people need to check this out. And don't be afraid, but it's definitely important to be informed at least. So. Right. Intimidation is their game. You need to be aware, but don't be intimidated. Right. Right. Mm-hmm. All right. So you guys want to hear about this story out of Scottsdale? Yes. All right. All right. So the Scottsdale Unified School District Board President, his name is Jan Michael Greenberg. He and his father decided to compile a dossier on all, all of this information. It was an enemy list of parents who were critical of the board on issues like CRT. And this dossier included hidden camera footage as well as personal records, including social security numbers, mental health records, divorce records, financial records, and who they were uh, related to. So this information was collected in an attempt to dox or threaten or intimidate the parents who had been critical of the school board and to silence them ultimately. Right. But a parent had found this dossier in a Google Drive accidentally emailed to her by the school board president. (laughs) Okay. And so, yeah, so now this information has come to light. Uh, Tracy Beans has been reporting on it and uh, some other outlets as well. Um, But this is right on the heels of the Biden regime DOJ threatening and to and intimidating parents by using, you know, the full force of the FBI to target parents as domestic terrorists, which I'm going to, I'm going to get into in a minute, but since this information came out, the Scottsdale police have uh, started and opened an investigation a criminal investigation into stalking and harassment of these parents. Apparently, Greenberg went as far as to hire a private investigator uh, to track down the parents and get the license plate numbers of their cars. Wow. Yeah. Wow. So KGB, KGB school boards. Right. Concerned parents, enemies of the state. Yeah, right. Mm-hmm. Yep. So it's important to note that in Arizona, which Scottsdale is located, obviously, uh, on the 28th of April, a law was signed 
um, that it's an anti-doxing law, which criminalizes doxing. So it could result in six months jail time and or a $2,500 fine. Um, if he is found um, guilty of that, he and his father. So this is currently a, an investigation underway. Who knows, um, you know, how this investigation is going to go, considering, I guess we'll just have to see uh, whose side the, <laughs> the Scottsdale Police Department's on, um, on this. But since all of this has come out, of course, outraged parents um, are calling for the removal of Greenberg as the, uh, the school board president. And I am happy to announce that there was an emergency school board meeting this week in which the school board um, voted unanimous, unanimously, other than Greenberg, of course, right. to remove him. Nice. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah. so As he's gone. Wow. Yes. Yeah, so, I mean, but you have to wonder how many other school boards wow. are doing this. Um, this is creepy. Very. Po- the, the, the desire for power ha- has reached its pinnacle the past couple of years. I'm telling you. <laughs> it has. It has. And this goes to the bigger picture. Um, you know, rogue members of the National School Board Association working in cahoots with the Biden regime to concoct this whole scheme to target parents as domestic terrorists in order to intimidate them, chill and silence their free speech and all that. And then, you know, um, the House Judiciary Committee had had um, Merrick Garland um, up to um, to D.C. to to testify. Um, and Garland testified that this isn't what's going on. This isn't what the DOJ is doing. We're not doing any of this, but we know better. And Garland actually testified that they were not using, um, you know, counterterrorism tools. Um, they weren't using, there was no need for the Patriot, Patriot Act or anything like that, right? That's what he had testified. But this week, we've discovered through a whistleblower, a department whistleblower, um, documents showing that the FBI is using the counterterrorism division, and they're, in fact, compiling and categorizing threat assessments of parents. So. I just, I just don't understand why anyone would even want their kids to go to a school like this. I, I, yeah, yeah. Mind-blowing. I mean, not to say that, you know, the teachers are all bad, of course, as we're talking about the school board, but still it's like fighting for your children to stay in a system that is so twisted and corrupt at this point. It, it's, I don't know. I know everyone has their own situations. I'm not trying to judge anyone. Well, I think there's parents that are trying to reform the system, correct the system, trying right. to oust school board members. And I, uh, you know, applaud them for that. But I mean, that includes that, but... an overhaul of the curriculum too, because half yep. the shit are lies that they're teaching the kids, you know? Yeah. So it's, it's, it's a big, big project to take on. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely it is. So um, this whistleblower provided an email from the day before garland sworn testimony (laughs) directing the fbi to use a new threat tag created by the counterterrorism division in order to scope the threat and engage law enforcement at 
all levels. Wow. Yeah. So, uh, you know, here we have it. Um, and, and the um, House Judiciary Committee is asking Garland to revise his testimony, basically saying, dude, you lied. <laughs> you lied. We mm-hmm. caught you. You're using counterterrorism tools to target parents when you said you weren't. And we have the proof. Wow. Yeah, it's clear that the criminals in charge, whether it's at the school board level, all the way up to FBI, DOJ, the criminals in charge, they're using their power, you know, and their positions to project their acts of terrorism, their threats of intimidation, their illegal activities onto the public who's critical of them. Yeah. Unbelievable. But that was a win for Scottsdale. um, Getting... um, what was his name getting all of this publicly greenberg out yeah 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 so uh you guys want an update on rittenhouse sure what's going on over there well you know i've been watching it i've been watching it this week and um i'm just biting my nails because as we're recording you know it's still going on waiting for the jury to um, come to a decision. But I'll give you guys a recap so far this week. Um, The defense filed for a motion for mistrial with prejudice earlier this week. And this was not only all of those issues I told you last week about the stuff that the prosecution kept pulling, whether it was um, talking about um, Kyle Rittenhouse, you know, pleading the fifth previously or whether it was uh, trying to get a witness to change his testimony it appeared very clear that they were um, trying to invoke uh, a mistrial but um, this was actually filed once um, the defense found out on friday last friday after all the evidence was closed that the drone footage that they were given which was supposed to be exactly the same as the the same file that the state had. It was in fact not the same file. And it was a much lower resolution footage. Here Hmm. I have the the footage uh, of them lined up here. So this is, you know, the lower quality version versus the higher quality version. And this was supposed to be a key piece of evidence that the prosecution used. And so when you're looking at this on a big screen and you're trying to find key players, which are up here and just tiny little blobs, there's a huge difference between the HT version that the prosecutors had versus what the defense had. And um, so anyways, Um, The defense explained in court that the file that they were given by the state had a different file name and was created at a different time. It had a different timestamp than the original. So um, then so then the judge was, you know, talking about ruling on this mistrial and decided to wait to rule on mistrial because the jury hadn't even requested to view this footage yet. And um, then late in the evening on Wednesday, the jury did request to, to view this footage. So now this so they're still video in deliberation files- right now while we're recording on Thursday, correct? 
Yeah, they were. When I started recording, um, they were still in deliberation, hadn't heard from them yet. So, um, mm -hmm. so the prosecution was playing this off like, look, you know, it was just a simple technical mistake that occurred during the transfer of the files that were compressed. And, <laughs> you know, I'm not buying yeah. it. it. It just stinks. Their excuse stinks. Um, but the defense later stated that they're asking for a mistrial without prejudice. I don't even know why they did this, but meaning they they understand that asking for a mistrial without prejudice means that the state would pursue a retrial, which is absolutely insane to me. Mm -hmm. And um, so the prosecution, because I, the prosecution should not benefit from this at all. It looked to me as though there, you know, as I mentioned, there were multiple times that we talked about last week where it appeared that the prosecution was actually scared that they were losing the case and intentionally doing this to push for a mistrial. And the judge even stated he didn't believe the prosecution was acting in good faith last right. week. So I they were just throwing themselves under the bus, though. It's the most comedic stuff I've ever seen inside a courtroom. Yeah, like, it was such Very a joke. So then for the Rittenhouse defense to open this door for a mistrial without prejudice and allowing a possible retrial of this case, absolutely absurd and criminal to me. I mean, <laughs> this kid has been through enough. Um, but uh, that's where we're at with that. We're just waiting for the jury to um, come back with a decision. The judge could... And this is from what I've been hearing from, you know, just commentary from other lawyers. Um, the, the judge could possibly still go with a motion for a mistrial for prejudice with prejudice, which means that it would be just completely dismissed. Or the judge could, um, you know, accept the, the mistrial without prejudice, meaning it would be retried. Or the jury could come back and, you know, find not guilty or guilty on some of those charges so right uh there's just a, a lot of factors at play but as far as the jury goes we're um we're still waiting um but we've heard reports that at least some of the jurors are afraid of the yeah. backlash by the public if Rittenhouse is acquitted and uh, they're apparently afraid of personal attacks, job loss, et cetera. How we know this, I don't know. Nobody's supposed to be talking to the jurors. But, so, so just take that well, with I a think, grain of salt. I think MSNBC was also booted from the courtroom. Yep. I just caught a blurb earlier um, yep. because they were trying to take photos of the jurors, which is a big yes. no-no. And that, the whole thing, look, we know, not that there aren't legit people out there that think that they're fighting for something one way or the other, but we also know that they, they manufacture, bring groups in, create the intimidation, create the theater. Um, so a lot of this intimidation is, you know, bought and paid for. That's <laughs> what I'm trying to get at. Yeah. Yeah, yeah exactly. So, um, you know, but when you're doing the jury selection process, these are the kinds of questions that you have to ask jurors and vet them. Like you have to come up with these potential 
um, expect these expectations, like look, this is going to be a very high profile case. Um, it's very divided, very divisive. You understand what happened last year in 2020 in Kenosha, right? What you're, you, you have to understand and have expectations for these kind of reactions, whatever you decide, are you up right. for this? Right. right. And um, I, I think that this was definitely an error on the part of jury selection. And, um, you know, I hope that I hope that I'm wrong. So um, we just need to wait and see uh, what the jury does decide. But yes, you're right. MSNBC, uh, a reporter tailed the jury bus that oh. transports the jurors and was stopped by a cop. And now this reporter's under investigation. This reporter was working for MSNBC. Um, and yeah, that's a huge no-no. It's called jury tampering, jury intimidation. And you could get in big trouble for that. So uh, they are banned. MSNBC is banned <laughs> from the court. So, but tensions are Goodness. extremely high. Tensions are extremely high. There's people gathered outside the courthouse or have been. There was a few scuffles um, on Wednesday night. I haven't heard much about uh, anything going on uh, Thursday um, as far as that goes, but tensions are definitely high outside the courthouse throughout Kenosha, as well as Democrat-run cities all over the country because of BLM and Antifa. Of course, these groups have vowed to uh, wreak havoc on cities should Kyle be acquitted. So, yeah. And then it, they've actually got National Guard on standby at a location there about like an hour from Kenosha. So, and that doesn't seem very like, like they're going to be able to respond quickly to, <laughs> to riots if they're an hour away. But uh, Kenosha police, apparently, um, they've responded to calls regarding stacks of bricks again yeah being yeah. left out in the street i just you know the intimidation manipulation is off the charts on this one it's they they want to scare people into not speaking truth we'll just sum it up as that not speaking truth not speaking at all um they do this with uh, everything though this is not just you know a case in this anything uh that uh goes against their narrative they threaten they try to shut down they have to yeah i mean these are probably bricks that are literally being used for something out there or a photo of bricks that were taken six months ago who knows and and then it just gets in, intentionally amplified and it's ah uh, it's pretty crazy Yep, Thanks. it's crazy. Um, and then we'll just have to see. But I think, you know, we're heading into the weekend here. Um, and I just, it seems like a setup to, you know, have the perfect storm of, you know, reactions over the weekend right. to whatever goes down. So, and let's, let's build up the perfect storm by putting all of these little tidbits out there. And yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So. All right. So, a bit of good news. OSHA. Yeah. So I, what was it a week, week and a half ago when I did the, um, report on legal, uh, tracking legal action and legislation against COVID-19 mandates. And at that time they had just implemented the whole OSHA mandate on businesses. What was it over a hundred employees, I believe. And so immediately it was 27 States immediately filed motions to stop the mandate. And the Fifth Circuit Court acted very quickly 
and put a halt to it. And so now what we have, but that was in the fifth circuit, right? So we still had all these other cases pending, but in the meantime, as of yesterday, uh, OSHA has suspended their mandate until further court order. And even on their website, it says, um, they state on November 12th, 2021, the US Court of Appeals for the Fifth Circuit granted a motion to stay OSHA's COVID-19 vaccination and testing emergency temporary standard published on November 5th, 2021. The court ordered that OSHA take no steps to implement or enforce the ETS until further court order. While OSHA remains confident in its authority to protect workers in emergencies, OSHA has suspended activities related to the implementation and enforcement of the ETS pending future developments in the litigation. So there you have it. One down, a hundred more to go. Let's, <laughs> yeah. keep, let's keep fighting these. They had no authority monsters. to enforce this in the first place. But... No, nor does federal. And you know, it's just, it irks me. Because while they state this, then they, they still like encourage, you know, they'll still, all of them, all the officials, all the agencies, all the arms, the, the, the freaking octopus itself, they still encourage businesses to mandate and push this on their employees. And, and again, I would, I would warn businesses that these lawsuits are going to keep coming. Um, this is so beyond illegal what is taking place right now on using an experimental jab. It's just, and, and what's happening with the whole, you know, what is it? Five to 11 year olds that passed. And then, and then you'll see on social media, these parents who take their child in, get them the jab, and then they take photos of them and they share it on social media as though these are, these are like, they just want a trophy at their soccer game or something, you know, and that this is the greatest thing since sliced bread. And I'm telling you the ripple effect, and I want to get your thoughts on this, the ripple effect that's going to come from this years from now, maybe months from now, when these kids have side effects and God, I hope they don't, I really hope they don't, but given what we've already seen in the adverse events and, and deaths from people that within four weeks of receiving the jab or immediately thereafter, we're going to have some parents that are going to be stricken with a level of guilt that's unfathomable. I know. And, and, oh. and it's going to be horrific. And, and just every single action that's happening right now with this, I mean, it, it's like the poll I did on Gab, and granted, it was only like 23, 2,400 people that responded, but it was 82% of people, no people, have a family member or friend who has gotten the initial jab or two and are now refusing the booster because of either side effects or they've been reading up on this and they see all the, you know, devastation that's being caused. They know they're being manipulated. Um, and I just, I'm really concerned about, well, first off, I'm really concerned about any kids getting this jab, but I'm really concerned about how this is going to impact the parents, which then is going to impact the whole family structure. And it's just not good. Mm, I know the ripple effect. And we're, we're still learning about side effects. We're still learning. I mean, we, we don't have any long-term information, but there was a study just out of Sweden uh, not too long ago. I think it was like last month. 
and um, they've just discovered or they believe this, uh, you know, this study shows that the uh, spike protein enters the nucleus and inhibits the ability of the um, of DNA repair. And so that can lead to cancer. And Uh, if that's true, so, and it, like, I'm, I'm trying to be careful that we'll never hear those statistics. I mean, I shouldn't say never. So we might from certain groups of scientists that are able to actually get this study or information out, but they're going to, they're going to bury that stuff, you know? Right. And, and so these things could be very long-term. Right. And would never be connected to the initial jab. Exactly. But um, nonetheless could be related. Um, and so these things, again, like it, keep, like you were saying, the ripple effect. I mean, we, we could see this ripple effect for years to come. And, and what's sad about what you just said is then what you're going to have is, is, you know, guilt, the guilt that could become so intense and apparent over witnessing and observing the side effects that let's just say all of a sudden their child does develop a form of cancer or something that 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 guilt will be so strong they will turn it into denial and they will continue to get boosters and that is it's hard the cognitive dissonance because you know it's really hard to admit that you were wrong and um accept new information um you know when it's those kinds of stakes at play right Right. yeah that's tough all right but good news on osha um abstaining from this ridiculous mandate that shouldn't have been put in place in the first place so right um a bit more good news here so um desantis um, I thought we'd close with this funny tidbit. DeSantis signed bills into law that limit the mandate. The bills are in Florida. Obviously, the bills will prevent workers from being required to get the jab. Employers are going to be required to allow exemptions. This is including but not limited to health or religious reasons, pregnancy or anticipated future pregnancy. Hmm. and past recovery from COVID. But of course, here is the the funny part. He decided <laughs> to sign these bills in Brandon, Florida, for no reason at all. None at That's all. That's funny. <laughs> DeSantis is Lennon to Troll. I like it. Oh, that's pretty funny. <laughs> yeah, good stuff. So, so now, are you saying, so these bills are officially in place now? Yeah, he's signing them today, Thursday. So, yeah, wow. signing them into law. Wow. Mm-hmm. I wonder how many battles are going to come from this. Oh, it's you know, always a battle. That's what amazes me, how they, they've got the, it's not even just the big corporations that they, you know, are puppeting and using um, to control all the people and the employees underneath them or students. Uh be, and 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 who are just completely negating any of these bills put into place they're saying well screw that we still want our employees mandated or masked or this or that and jabbed and you got smaller businesses that are following suit too it's like it's become such a program a conditioning that they're all just aimlessly going along with this crap so 
Now, now I know Florida is a little different there in most areas of Florida. Um, but in a lot of states, you know, the certain mandates will be gone, but the companies are still pushing them. Right. And it's probably because they're part of the club. They've gotten gotten high up in in the club to where it's like look if you want to survive this whole thing you know i mean how how the world economic forum blackrock ceo larry fink how they've really strong armed these you know fortune 500 companies to comply and i know there's been some backdoor deals had to have been some backdoor deals look you know you're going to be one of the few companies that survives this whole reorganization right but you got to comply yep and your business is going to increase by 25% as we crash the smaller businesses. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm actually um, in the process of digging into pulling together some information to potentially um, put together a new form for a specific area that I see. I don't, want, I don't want to get into it only because I still have to finish digging into it to make certain I'm going to do this. But I do feel that it's um, it's a very large it, it, it would target a large amount of people and i'm very skeptical that this is an area they might push so i want to get ahead of the game and um start working on a, a form for that a form letter type thing you know so that's what i'm working on right now what awesome. are you guys working on you have any videos going no we haven't been we we did the um climate change versus the solar grand solar minimum. I actually did a, an interview with a friend of mine, Sookie on her channel. And oh, we had a great conversation about that. If people want just more information on it and they're welcome to check that out, we can leave a link to on to that, but yeah. we haven't done anything new. I've been just keeping track of the Rittenhouse thing um, yeah. and the daily happenings. So Hmm. All right. I've sort of been out of commission, but um, I've got an idea for this week, so we might get back on it and try to get positive again. Try to um, just get out of this. I don't know what it is. Uh, just a global draining. We were talking about this before, right? A lot of people are just tired what? or getting sick as well, and you know it's a big energy shift happening. But you got to try to um, turn it around. Right, right. It is. It's it's a big energy drain, and it gets yep. tricky. It gets tricky. Uh, you know, trying to stay positive and wade through the mud. Yeah, <laughs> it's a lot of mud. It's very. <laughs> it's very important that we um, here in the states and everywhere that's having winter. You're having. You're going into the warm season, speaker. Right. Mm -hmm. yeah some yeah. yeah yeah so but but for us going into the winter season it's really important that we keep ourselves healthy right now stay up on the vitamins vitamin c vitamin d um what zinc things like that right so Absolutely. i'm trying to do that i think tr preventative is the very best way to go we got to stay healthy guys and uh you know take care of ourselves That's as much right. as we can yeah yeah so, all right, guys, thanks for joining us today here on Dig It with a speaker, myself, The Sharp Edge, and Corey Lynn of Corey's Digs. Please be sure to share this podcast. We're on BitChute, Foxhole, Gab TV, iHeartRadio, Odyssey, Pilled, SoundCloud, Spotify, Stitcher, TuneIn, and YouTube. And we'll see you back next time right here on Dig It. Mm -hmm.